Mac Power Users, Episode 37. Strap on your propeller beanie, folks. We're going to Markdown. Hello, this is David Sparks. Along with me is my friend Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm doing good, David. How are you? Outstanding, and here we go. We're going to talk about Markdown and Multi-Markdown with this episode. Uh, we uh, we weren't sure if we should do it or not. I sent some tweets out and got a lot of people excited about it. Uh, other people are going to be scratching their head, uh, having no clue what this episode's about. Uh, and that's my, okay, because I was there. Yeah, uh, okay. But it, just listen. Stick with us for 10 or 15 minutes, and if it's not your thing, you don't have to finish. But uh, you may find that this Markdown and Multi-Markdown stuff is pretty good for you. It's it's really cool. I think it's something that I could use. I think it's something that will come in handy. And I've I've dug into this for a couple of hours trying to get ready for this show. And um, I think it's intriguing. So hang in there, and, and let's, see, let's see how this goes. Okay, but first, a history lesson. Uh, Markdown was written by John Gruber and Aaron Swartz. Um, John Gruber, of course, of Daring Fireball fame, who's... The uh, the chief Apple blogger. Everybody likes to to read Daring Fireball, and John has always got real insightful ideas. He tends to know things, and but he's also a uh, a hack, a com- computer nerd, you know, hacker, whatever you want to say. And uh, he's got the the credibility to to put something together. So I guess I, I've never spoken with him about this, but I guess this really arose out of his blog or his his desire to post to the web better than we had with HTML. And he put this together and it's kind of taken a life of its own. And John Gruber, if you want to talk to us, call us. There you go. So, you know, why do we have Markdown? I think the reason we have Markdown is because HTML stinks. Um, If you've ever written anything for the web, um, there's a specific syntax you have to use that uses brackets and hyphens and codes and a lot of extra language. If you've ever seen anything written in HTML, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I remember more than 10 years ago, I was taking a college course on on how to write in HTML. And not a lot has changed, unfortunately, since those days. It's just, it seems like this arcane, unreadable, computer-formatted language. And we started by buying out this big old, you know, teach yourself HTML in 21 days gargantuous manual and it was it was horrible yeah but what it really is it's the language that the internet reads so if you were just write a a block of text and post it to the internet uh, it's not going to know how what should be bold or whether should be bullets or where there should be indents you have to use special syntax to do that and that's what HTML is. Uh, you're right. They really haven't changed it. They've added layers onto it like CSS, and they've, they've done other things with it since then. But in general, the uh, syntax is largely the same as it started, and it's not very user-friendly. It's also not very easy to read. If you ever see um, HTML code of a website, um, finding the actual words is, it can be uh, difficult at sometimes because there's so much code injected in there. And there's different HTML processors. I mean, Microsoft Word is legendary for creating horrendous, horrendous HTML. Code. Yeah, so you write something in Word and it says export as HTML and it adds tons and tons of extra code that doesn't need to be there and it gets really ugly really fast. So so Gruber and Swartz decided, you know, let's do it better. And I know there were some some other people making efforts and I'm sure they, they relied on some of it. If you read, I think, Gruber's side, one of them had written how they, you know, looked at some existing syntax and kind of tried to to bring it all together, but they also kind of made something where the uh, sum of the parts was greater than the actual parts. And 
so what they have is this markdown code. And it's essentially a way to write a text file and export it as HTML. But that's not all because they've grown on that and you can also use it now for word processing and stuff that has nothing to do with the web. And I want you to stick around if you're interested in that because that's where it really took on value for me. But at the most basic level, um, Markdown is a way to write text that can be posted to the internet without making it really difficult to read and edit. Is that a fair explanation? It is because a human can read it and a human can write it and it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is with HTML, you start, the computer starts to teach you how to read. I mean, uh, I don't know if you ever had a Palm Pilot, but I did. Mm-hmm. You had to learn graffiti. Yeah, exactly. When you did graffiti, there were certain ways you had to write the letters like the T. And some of them, it didn't look like normal English, but the computer would train you to write differently. And it was funny, when I used to use a Palm Pilot every day, I would catch myself writing in graffiti with a pen on paper. You know, it exactly. rewired your brain. Exactly. And uh, I'm not really a big fan of that. And what I really like about Markdown is it doesn't require you to, to rewire. It allows you to write in normal English. Uh, so Markdown's readable. And there's also a recent surge of interest in it. And I would attribute that to not just the ability to export HTML, but the the growth of these mobile devices like the iPad and the iPhone and the ability that people are looking for to write text files on any device in any word processor and move those files around and keep retain formatting. You know, I mean, uh, RTF was supposed to be the way you do that, but it's, it's even simpler if it's just a basic text file. So using these markdown and later multi markdown codes, you can write the, um, anything you want, and you can insert codes for bold and italic and different things. And when you move that text over to some other device or some other word processor, uh, Markdown becomes kind of, I guess, the lingua franca. It allows you to to put that text anywhere and retain those formatting guidelines without having to worry about file formats. It's pretty amazing when you get down to it. I use it for everything. I use it for legal briefs. I use it I used it for the book. I used it for posts to Max Sparky. I really got to the point where I think in Markdown. So I can uh, see how it can get to that point after a while. Now, how long have you been using Markdown before you uh, got to this point? I started using Markdown about two years ago for all my Max Sparky posts. And when I started getting into writing lots on the iPad is uh, when I really kind of expanded it and started using more of the syntax and started using it for everything. And now, like, I'll write a, a legal brief in Markdown. Uh, using Scrivener and kind of giving away some of the later stuff we're going to talk about. But then you can export that to RTF and then I can send it to my secretary or whatever I want to do with it. So uh, it just works. And uh, so we'll talk about how we do those specific workflows later in the show. Um, I think the first thing we'll do is talk about getting started with Markdown and some of its basic syntax. But before we do that, let's talk about our first sponsor, Smile. And can you believe already that it's November? Um, it's getting to be holiday season, and Smile is gearing up for the holidays with a special holiday deal on Disc Label for Mac Power user listeners. Um, if you've never used Disc Label before, this is the time to give it a try because we're all getting ready for the holidays. We're looking um, for holiday gift ideas, at least I am, and nothing makes better holiday gift ideas than personalized CDs and DVDs um, for the family. They're some of the most treasured gifts that I've given all of my friends and family. So if you like creating these custom gifts from scratch, 
finish them off with a custom designed DVD and label from scratch using disc label. So you can import in photos from iDVD themes, or for, you can import your photos from iPhoto um, and iDVD themes. You can use pre-designed templates, and Disc Label comes with a variety of their own templates, including um, pre-designed holiday themes. You can also take your iTunes playlists and export them. You can pull in information from a bunch of different sources, and they've got so many templates. It's pretty foolproof to print this out on almost any type of media whether you're printing direct to a DVD or a CD with one of those fancy new printers that you can print direct to disc, or whether you're printing to one of the zillion different formatted labels out there. I mean, yeah. when you do a video, and now I, I don't know about you, but I'm going crazy with these new iMovie previews. Oh, yeah. I've, I've made like seven of them. And the trailers? Time, yeah, everybody's yeah. like digging it. So, uh, so I'm giving them out, but you know, you make this great video and it's like, looks professional quality. They've got a professional soundtrack and everything. And then you burn it on a DVD and you hand it and you like take a magic marker and you write, you know, the name of the trailer on it and you hand it to somebody. It's like, it's lame. You know, you want to put like a nice looking label on there with a picture. Uh, I just made a really cool, um, trailer cause we went zip lining up in Canada. And, uh, so I put a picture of one of my daughters on it and we, put it on the disc label. It looks awesome. And uh, so I hand it out to the whole family and everybody's got that now. So yeah, if you're going to take the time to make a nice photo, uh, photography, uh, you know, photos or videos and give it to your family, put the label on it, you know, make it complete. And it's not that expensive now. We've got a special deal going for Mac Power users. Listeners, if you go to smilesoftware.com slash MPU, uh, you'll get a 30% discount on this application. So normally $35.95, you can now get it for $24.95. Yeah, that's quite a deal. And there's more. We have a contest. Just in time for the holidays, Smile is giving away one of their productivity suites, which includes PDF Pen Pro, Text Expander, Disk Label, and Page Sender, $129 value, because they and we want to see what brilliant designs you guys can come up with using Disk Label. So grab a copy of Disc Label, and if you don't have one, go get it from their website. If you aren't quite sure you want to purchase Disc Label yet, that's okay. You probably will be after the contest is over, but you can use a trial version. We'll accept submissions off the trial versions. And submit to us your favorite um, creations using Disc Label, jewel cases, CD, DVD labels, D DVD inserts. Anything that Disc Label can output uh, is eligible to be entered in the contest. Uh, we will pick one winner that will be announced on our December 12th show. And if we get a bunch of great submissions, we reserve the right to pull a couple of honorable mentions and um, throw in some individual licenses to individuals. So um, take a look on our website. You'll find all of the rules over at MacPowerUsers.com. And uh, we can't wait to see what you've submitted. So let's get back down to Markdown. All right. Um the uh, the way it works is, and this is kind of the first barrier to entry people have, is they don't even know where to start. You can start writing Markdown and text edit. You don't need to download a special word processor. You know, um, I was really surprised about this because I, I, I started thinking about Markdown back in our Merlin Man episode because Merlin was talking about how everything he does is in Markdown and he thinks in Markdown and he sleeps in Markdown and everything is, you know, Markdown, Markdown, Markdown. So I, I started looking to see, okay, well, what is this Markdown thing all about? expecting that I was going to have to download this application and these file formats and converters, and I was going to have to completely change my workflow to accommodate Markdown. But all I have to do is pretty much type in English with a couple of different, um, uh, you know, keystrokes 
before, after, just to symbolize different things. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the whole point is to keep it simple. I mean, it's a text file, so you can do it in text edit, you could do it in Word, you could do it in Pages, you could do it in any of the slew of word processors on the iPad or the iPhone. Um, I do a lot of it in Simple Note because it's just simple text, and then I then you can run it through a little application that uh, Gruber has on his site. We'll put the link in the show notes that will take that text file and output a proper HTML file. So the idea is you write the whole thing in Markdown, you can proofread it, you can look at it, then at the, the last moment you run it through this little processor that spits out a clean HTML file, and then you can upload that to your website. And that's the beauty of it. You can proofread it. You, you really can't proofread something that you've written in HTML. Yeah, and, and it's not you don't always need to go through the extra step. For instance, Max Sparky is hosted at Squarespace, and Squarespace built Markdown right into their web editor. So when I do a post at Max Sparky, it's marked down all the way, and then I literally block and copy it into the, um, the Squarespace window, and I post it. I, it never gets to HTML, or at least I never see it as HTML. Maybe Squarespace it does it behind the scenes. Yeah, so, and there's other apps that do that, and we're going to talk about that. But so just to give you an overview, this isn't really hard. You can open your text editor right now and start writing it. You can go to, to Gruber's site, download this free application, and it'll convert to Markdown. And like I said earlier, this is just one thing you can do. It's not just HTML. You can use it for other purposes. Uh, but since this is where it all began, I thought what we do is just kind of cover some of the basic syntax. I'm not going to cover everything, but this gives you an idea of how easy it is to write HTML code using Markdown. Um, so I'm going to go through kind of some technical stuff and just bear with me. If you're listening, I know it's kind of hard to listen to these things, but I'm going to make it as verbal as possible. And there's a link in the show notes with all the syntax that you can reference. Yeah. I mean, for instance, the easiest thing is italics. If you want to make an italics with HTML code, it's a bunch of brackets and lines and code. Uh, to do it in Markdown, all you do is put an asterisk on each side of the words you want in italics. So if I want to say this is italic, I would type this is asterisk, italic, asterisk, and then that's it. I've got italics in, in Markdown. You could also use the underscore and as an alternative to the italics if that's better for you, but I've always written it with italics. You mean you could use the underscore as an alternative to the asterisk? Yeah, exactly. So you put an underscore on each side of the word italics and it would be an italic. Um, bold is exactly the same, except you do two of them. You do two asterisks or two underscores on each side of the text. So you don't have to think about this stuff. Really easy as you're typing, you do it. And that's when I say I think in Markdown, what I mean is when I'm typing on my iPad or or Mac or in Scrivener or wherever, um, I just automatically, when I want to type italics, I don't stop and select it and hit command I, I just hit italic. I'm sorry, hit, hit asterisk on each side of the text. I want to do it on the keyboard as I'm flying through it. And I have no problem doing it. You know, my fingers at this point do it without me even thinking. Right. And the same thing for bold. And the advantage of that is when I move that file around in simple note to maybe whatever word processor of the day I'm obsessed with on my iPad or to Scrivener, or TextEdit, or any of the variety of text uh, applications I work in, that code follows because it's just extra text in there. Well, that's an important and, point worth making that I, I think it, it may not initially be clear because people are going to say, David, it's not that hard to hit Command-I, keep typing, hit Command-I again, and then go about your way. In fact, it's, you know... It's it's real easy to do that, or Command B, or, or or whatever you wanted to do. 
But the problem is, is that the application that you're using, whether it be on the Mac or the iPad or whatever, to create this text, may you may go through, you know, you may round trip through, through multiple applications before you get to the final version. And depending on what applications you're going through, it may not preserve the bold or the italic through the different variations that you're going through, whereas it will always preserve the asterisks. Yeah, and that's the advantage because I move stuff around. I work in different tools, uh, especially with large writing projects. I mean, the book, I wrote that thing in probably about four, four or five different word processors in different iterations. If you're the kind of person who writes everything you need in pages and never opens another word processor and doesn't understand why you would possibly need to, you could turn off this podcast right now because you're fine. You could you just go ahead and do it right there. But uh, I think a lot of people these days are getting a lot more uh, creative and uh, adventurous with their word processing because there's so many interesting applications coming out for both the Mac and the iPad and they want to move this text around and you don't want to have an italic code from one word processor turn up as gobbledygook on the uh, in simple note or whatever simple text editor you want to use on your iPad so this allows you to avoid that and you know the other thing for me is I work in Windows a lot at work so uh, once again it's text files any computer, no matter what make or brand, can handle a text file. Back to my Tandy WP100 that I have in the closet. You know, that's text files, and that's 15, 20 years old now. So it's a, um, it's a, a format that will never go bad, and it, the coding is really easy because of what the, the tools Gruber and Fletcher Penny have created. Um, it's very simple to just write it with these, these syntax, and later at the very end, spit it out in whatever format you need for whatever you're doing. So I'll, I'll continue with some more syntax, though. Um, sometimes on the web, you'll see code snippets, um, and that's, you know, whether it's an Apple script. And, and this one was really what drove me to learn Markdown. A couple of years ago, I started doing some posts on Apple script at Max Sparky, and I completely botched the code snippets, the Apple script code snippets, and it bugged me forever. And I finally uh, talked to somebody about it, and they said, oh, you just got to use Markdown, and you can put the code snippet in. Uh, doing an HTML is a real pain. So I, that's when I learned Markdown. So all you have to do for code snippets is use the little, I think it's called the carrot. It's to the left of the one on your keyboard. And you put that in uh, or on both sides of the whatever code snippet you are, and it gives it that code look when you post it to the web. And it would do the same thing in a word processor. Something more common are bullets. Uh, bullets, you just put an asterisk before each line. You know, you don't have to do all the HTML nonsense Put an asterisk before each line, it's, and you don't surround it with asterisks. You put an asterisk, a space, and then your words. And um, if you surround it, you would get an italic. But if you just have a single asterisk, a space, write your, a space in your bullet word, and then you hit enter, and you do another one, when it, when it ends up on the web or in your word processor, it's going to be a bulleted list. Um, numbered lists works the same. Oh my gosh, you, this is what blew my mind, because I couldn't stand numbered lists in HTML. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Okay, well, it's really easy. You just type one period space and your numbered list. That sounds uh, a lot like how I make my grocery list. Yeah, or every other list you've made in your life. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's simple. And so you can, you can read this stuff and you can proofread it very easily. Uh, headings is another one that's real simple. You use the, um, what is I guess you call it a number sign? Or the pound, the pound sign, key. I'm sorry. The pound oh, key. Yeah, the pound sign. Use the pound key. So 
If you want a level one, you hit one pound key. If you want a level two, you hit two pound keys, you know, three and four, you go on. So uh, you put those before any line and it becomes a level one in your posting or in your word processing document. Uh, an alternative for the headings is you can use for first and second level, you can use the equal sign just as you hold the key down and run an equal sign under any line, then it creates the line above it as a level one. Or as a second level, you can use uh, dashes. If you put a, a line of dashes under a line, then it becomes a uh, second level. Make sense? It makes too much sense. It's yeah, too I, easy. I think, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're interested, definitely get your Mac out or your iPad out and sometimes start playing with it a little bit. Um, block quotes are another thing. Uh, often you'll see blog posts where we have block quotes and people have trouble with that. Um, all you do is put the caret in front of it. You know, like when you have an email reply and you get that caret, it's on your keyboard. It's uh, two keys right of the M. Shift, uh, the shift key above the period. So you put that in and put a space, then type whatever you want and it block quotes right in. I mean, all this stuff, it's really not that hard. You, you learn a couple of these things and then you're writing HTML much faster and more efficiently. And once again, you can proofread it. I mean, since I write a lot of these things in SimpleNote or in Scrivener, uh, I have them synchronized between each other. I can proofread them anywhere. And if you had the HTML code inserted instead, it would not be so simple. No. Uh, links are an issue. When you post to the web, uh, you have to put links in. And traditionally, there's a whole bunch of syntax involved with links. And it becomes really um, kind of difficult to read because you've got the text that you want as the link. And then you've got the link itself. And then you've got a bunch of codes about what it does with the link. So if you've got a simple post, like sometimes I do really short posts in Max Sparky when I'm linking to something interesting, it's two or three sentences, but if I have a link, all of a sudden there's, there's twice as much text there and there's a bunch of garbage in the middle and it's difficult to proofread. So uh, there's two ways to do this in Markdown. The first way is you can put the link right next to the text. And the way you do that is you surround the text you want to link with brackets and then immediately followed with the link in parentheses. So if I would say... Um, MaxSparky.com, okay. Okay, yeah, okay, let's say you should go to MaxSparky.com. So you do I'll, bracket, MaxSparky.com, close bracket. Yeah, and then open Open parentheses, HTTP colon, backslash, backslash, www.MaxSparky.com, close parentheses. Yeah, and that would create a link in Markdown. I don't like that though, because what it does, that creates a problem with too much, once again, too much noise. Oh, I was just thinking that was pretty simple compared to the AHRAF, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it is much easier, but it, there's an, e an even better way to do it in Markdown, and it's called referenced links. And this is how I do every post at Max Sparky. So uh, instead of putting the link in parentheses immediately following the text, you put a second set of brackets and create a reference. It's kind of like a footnote. So I would say bracket maxsparky.com, close bracket, open bracket, MS link, close bracket. Okay. Okay. And then so that instead of having all that HTTP and all that noise, and sometimes the links can be very long. Right. You just got a reference there. And then at the bottom of the document or after the paragraph, you can do it anywhere in the document. Really, You can put it at the top if you wanted. You create the reference. So and I always put them at the, the end. Uh, in Scrivener, what I do is I create, you know, how Scrivener, you have separate um, tabs essentially for different parts of a post. I always have one at the end called links. 
And then you just put all your links together. Exactly. And the syntax there is open bracket, MS link, close bracket, colon. So that's uh, the colon is telling uh, Markdown, okay, he's about to give me the reference for that link he listed above called MS link. And then you just block and copy in the HTTP colon backslash blackjack, blah, blah, blah. You know, so you put in your link right there. So they're all at the bottom. And then when you proofread your text, it's very clear. You can read the text. You can see what is linked and what the link reference is. And you just keep going. I, I think it's really clean. I, now, it's probably my, my favorite feature of Markdown, really. If I have multiple, let's say I, I have a long blog post. Because unlike you, I can't do a blog post that's less than a thousand words. Oh, I can't, but I know. Okay. <laughs> but if I do a long blog post, I may link to Max Sparky three times in my blog post. To, do I just yeah, do it you, once? Yep. You just put the MS ref or whatever you, the code is you use for that link. And you only have to put the reference in once. Pretty pretty slick, huh? It's pretty slick. Yeah, it's nice. And they do a similar thing with images, but you put an exclamation point before the brackets. And that's assuming that you have the URL for the image. So if you already have the image listed to the web somewhere, um, you can create the same thing. You can do reference links, or you can do it in parentheses right after. But the syntax is exclamation point, brackets around the reference text, and then... Uh, then you either put this specific link in parentheses or you create a reference. Uh, I actually made a really cool um, text expander snippet to create reference links. Uh, I did a post on it. I'll, uh, I can see that happening. Yeah, I'll put a link in, in the show notes. But I made it. It's really neat because it, you create it. It goes to the bottom, adds the reference link. And if you have the, the site highlighted or in your... It will, it will buffer, paste it in there. It automatically paste it. And then because text expander lets you place the cursor it goes back, back up to, to where, where you, you started oh. and puts the cursor there so it's it's really fast um yeah I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes clever yeah i i can see text expander snippets would be very helpful in a lot of these contexts yes and no you know really i find that that's the only time i've really used it for markdown because most of the stuff is just so natural you know you know level two pound sign pound sign type your title return continue you know I mean, what do you need a snippet for? Though? Okay, well, I can see where it would be maybe helpful in, in the linking and the image, okay, linking and images, maybe. Yeah, it's definitely helpful there. Uh, and then there's their, I call it the get out of jail free card. It's the backslash, um, you know, the key uh, just to the right of your right bracket. And if you want to actually use an asterisk or a pound sign or any of the syntax, as long as you put a backslash in front of it, it allows you to use that, that, that uh, key as an actual key. So you can actually show it an asterisk and it doesn't turn something into italics. So it's really, it's really not that difficult. Um, they also have horizontal rules. If you put three asterisks together or um, three dashes or a series of dashes, it creates a horizontal rule if you have that in your, in your site. So, you know, all this stuff is really simple and it's accessible from any text editor. Uh, and you're writing code, you know, you're writing code at that point. Then you have to have a process to get that into HTML if that's where you need it. Um, since I have Squarespace, I don't even need that. I just copy it in and I'm good to go. But that's kind of the the basics of Markdown. If you're interested, go to um, John Gruber's site. He's got a whole listing of all the syntax, and there's more than I've covered here. So check it out, and you'll find in no time, even if you have no programming experience whatsoever, but you've always wanted to write for the web, this may be the solution for you because it's it really lowers the barrier of entry. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. I My blog is in WordPress, but it, which doesn't natively support Markdown. However, there are several WordPress plugins that you can use. Um, yeah. 
that will to get Markdown in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also a variety of word processors we're going to cover later in the outline that that'll create it for you. Right. Okay. So before we go on to the next iteration, Multi Markdown, let's talk a little bit about our second uh, sponsor, One Password. Yeah, One Password is just one of those apps. I guess I couldn't you can't even call it an app because it's an app on multiple platforms. It's an iApp. It's 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 one of those services that I can't live without. Um, going back to a little more general overview of one password, if you've been living under a rock is one password allows you to create and store strong and unique passwords. There is no excuse anymore for using the same password or the same variation of the same password over and over and over again on multiple websites. It is cross platform. It works on the Mac. They have a beta version in the PC. It works on iPhone and iPads. And I happen to know that they're working on beta versions for other smartphone platforms as well. Um, So it's everywhere, and it's especially everywhere and in sync everywhere with Dropbox because they also use Dropbox somehow, magically, in the background to keep all of this wonderful 1Password goodness in sync. So no matter where you are, whether it's the PC at work, whether it's the Mac at home, whether it's the MacBook Air that you're about to buy, David, or whether it's your iPad, it all just stays in sync. Yeah, it's just, you just take it for granted. I mean, I use 1Password every day. You know, the iPad app is just gorgeous. And, you know, no matter where I'm at, I my iPad, I had to reset it recently. And I went to a, a friend's house and needed to get back on her wireless. It, it was no problem because I had saved her password in 1Password before and I just opened it up. I didn't have to ask her for a copy of it and all this other nonsense. Uh, you'll find that you use it all the time. I also really like the secure notes on it where you can keep data on your mobile devices or your Mac that's separately uh, secured and passworded. So it gives you that extra layer of security. I I just don't think there's anything else like it out there. And I'm loving the way they have expanded from beyond just the Mac. Now they're on all these various platforms. So you've got all your password solutions satisfied on the Mac. It's a $40, uh, but you can get a family license with five users for $70. They have uh, an iOS hybrid version that puts you on both the iPhone and the iPad for $15, or you can get separate uh, versions for the iPhone or iPad for $10. Highly recommend it. Uh, go check it out at onepassword.com. And I'd like to thank them for their support of the podcast. And if you lose, use the link in our show notes, you can also get 20% off uh, the desktop version. That's right. So uh, head to the, uh, the Mac Power User show notes and get it there. You can save some money. There you go. Okay, so we had we talked about Markdown, and really it started, in my you know opinion, I'm not w- really well informed on this, but it appears to me that it really started out as a way to get stuff onto the web, you know. But people immediately glommed onto this and realized how valuable it is, and started expanding upon it. And depending on what you read, I've never actually talked to John Gruber about this, uh, but it's, it appears that he kind of wanted to keep it simple, and uh, some people have been expanding on it, and I don't know how he feels about that, but. The fact is it's, it's, it's darn useful. And the most useful one is, is done by Fletcher Penny, and it's called Multi-Markdown. And it kind of goes beyond HTML. I, I view Multi-Markdown as kind of additional tools for writers. Um, are you familiar, with Katie, with uh, LaTeX? I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, we've talked about it before on shows, and I was kind of ignorant of it at the time, and I got some nice emails from some listeners and did some research. And it's basically a text format that people use for typesetting. And it's very useful for um, educa- uh, you know, academic papers and mathematics and whatnot because it's got a lot of code in there that you can create you know, complex papers 
using simple text. But like HTML, it's really noisy. Uh, it's spelled capital A, small a, I'm sorry, capital L, small a, capital T, small e, capital X. You can go on the web and learn all about it. But the, the syntax itself is really noisy. And so a lot of people started thinking, well, let's use Markdown instead of creating HTML to create LaTeX. Or let's use Markdown to create RTF. You know, an RTF is, you know, probably the best way to get um, simple formatting into your word processors like Pages and Microsoft Word. And, uh, and Fletcher Penny really uh, jumped on that. And so he added a lot of syntax to Markdown that deals with the kinds of issues that you have when you're doing this stuff. And uh, first of all, it includes all of the syntax we've already st- talked about. I mean, it, it, as the core level, it's Markdown, you know. Uh, but he's also added other things, uh, which makes it multi-Markdown. For instance, you can put uh, metadata concerning a document in the uh, Markdown text. And if you've got a multi-Markdown uh, processor or a multi-Markdown application that can you know, export it, it will put that in for you. For instance, the title. You know, if you have a title of a document, you write title, colon, and then your title. And then you can write the author's name, author, colon, then the author's name. You can do, there's a whole bunch of those, like date, um, affiliation, um, bibliography title, and, you know, uh, copyright, email, the author. So there's all these, you know, additional syntax you can add to a document using um, multi-markdown. And it's, so it's additionally a layer on top of it. Am I am I just rambling at this point? Are you with me? No, you're rambling a little bit, but it's okay. Okay, so I'll go a little slower. So, you know, you've got Markdown, but you want to add stuff to it for creating documents instead of HTML. So this allows you to do that. It even includes support for things like tables and bibliographies and footnotes. And that's not in the basic support for a Markdown. So... Uh, now you're getting serious if you if you learn this stuff and the code for instance for footnotes is similar to a link but uh, instead of using brackets use a bracket with a caret in there so you have bracket caret sample footnote uh, close bracket and you know I just occurred to me as I said that that I spoke wrong earlier the caret is the symbol that is the um, shift six that points up oh yeah and the when I talked about the uh, block quotes, it's actually the arrow to the right, which you get, um, like I said, two keys right of the M. It's the shift key to the right. I guess they call that square bracket, perhaps. I, I should know this. <laughs> hmm. But anyway, so it's the carrot. So you use a carrot to create a footnote. Uh, tables you can create, which Markdown doesn't support, and bibliographies. So uh, we're going to give you the link with the syntax for multi-Markdown. But it's really pretty amazing. So you can add some some layers to it. And when I wrote the Mac at Work book, I used multi-markdown. So I used some of the syntax in addition to what's in markdown. And like I said it before, it's 90,000 words and 360 pages. And all of this stuff was just written in text. Um, the publisher at the end wanted it in Word, but it didn't get to Word to the very, very end. And I did all this stuff with markdown. It was great because I was jumping between simple note and different word processors on the iPad and different word processors on the Mac. And uh, it worked just like a a charm. I was really excited to be able to do that. Um, So let's talk a little bit about um, getting out of multi-markdown. You can use an exporter, which Fletcher Penny has on his website. We'll put the link in the show notes. But there's also applications that read and speak multi-markdown. The favorite of which being 
my beloved Scrivener. So yeah. just about any app that will support Markdown, is it fair to say they'll also support multi-Markdown? Yeah. In fact, Scrivener um, just says multi-Markdown, but inherently it also supports Markdown because multi-Markdown includes all of the Markdown syntax. So, so I guess it would be fair to say that anything that supports mark, multi-Markdown also supports Markdown. Exactly. Okay. And so in Scrivener, you can output uh, all of the three ways you'd want to. So you can output as a multi-markdown file, so it puts the multi-markdown syntax. But even more interesting is if you write in multi-markdown, you can output Scrivener as an HTML file. So if you want to put it to the web, or you can output as an RTF file, or you can out, which allows you to put it on Word and Pages and any other standard word processor. Uh, with one caveat, I'd have to say, I'm I'm not satisfied with Pages RTF support. Microsoft actually does a better job with RTF support than Pages. And finally, um, you can put it into LaTeX. So no matter what your destination is, if you write these things in multi-markdown using your word processors of choice, um, at the end of the day, you can spit it out in any format you want. And that, that to me, is the beauty of multi-markdown. I don't have to worry about what word processor I'm working in. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of Microsoft Word. I mean, we've talked about yeah, that Yeah, we know. But, you know, it, they've got a lot better. Uh, the, uh, I, just as an aside, I, I reviewed um, the Word 2011 for the book, and they've come a long way, and they've made it a lot better. But I'm just not a fan of the feature, feature bloat. But anyway, so I had to work in it with this book. Uh, but I really didn't have to because I did almost everything in Scrivener, and it didn't go out to RTF from multi-markdown until the very end. So it's all good. All right. So now that we know a little bit about how the syntax works, now that we know, I guess, kind of the overview of these languages, how do we make it work? Just write, you know, um, whatever your text editor of choice. Like I said, if you, if you, if you like to jump around, write in simple text, use the syntax and find a reliable way to get it out to whatever format you want. I, I like Scrivener. You could also use the multi-markdown exporter that Fletcher Penny has on his website. Uh, if you're a TextMate user, there's a bundle for TextMate that's multi-markdown, and it does a lot of the syntax for you, which is pretty cool. Um, but any text editor will work. There's even uh, applications showing up on the iPad now that uh, have markdown support. Uh, the one I have on my iPad right now is called Markdown Mail. And it's really good. I mean, it's, it, it was created with the idea that you'd write Markdown and export it as a mail file. But now they've, they realize that, you know, people want it for more. So you can do HTML and some other export on it. Um, or you could go to a Markdown website like Squarespace is what I use. And then there's Posteris. You know, this is really a, a simple way to, to write with complex codes without, excuse me, without being tied to a specific word processor. What do you think? Are you sold? I'm I'm interested to try it. Um, I'm getting ready. I'm I'm very intrigued about the Squarespace integration. I'd like to hear more about how that works because we're actually getting ready to redo our firm's website, and I've been nominated to take over that project. You can imagine. There, there's why. really nothing to. There's nothing to it in Squarespace. It's got a little switch that says, "Are you going to use plain text, rich text, HTML, or Markdown?" And okay. You check Markdown. So then you go to text edit or Scrivener or whatever text editor or Word or whatever you're working in, type up your entry in Markdown or multi-Markdown code, block and copy that, and paste it in Squarespace and hit post. Hmm. 
that's that's the extent of it and it just works yeah it just works uh on squarespace there's a caveat um with some of the uh, heading formatting i was having trouble with the spacing underneath the heading because uh the squarespace uh i guess it's the pearl or the php or whatever it is that that they use had a little trouble with markdown figuring out the spacing underneath I sent Squarespace an inquiry on it and they, they set it for me and it's just fine. So I had to get a little help uh, on that. But other than that, I've had no issues and I've been posting on it for years. Um, and, you know, even more importantly, I write all my legal documents. I write my Mac related writing and everything in this markdown text. And I just love the ability, especially now that Scrivener 2.0 is out and you can synchronize right between Simple Note and Scrivener with, with one checkbox. So I love the ability to have all these text files I'm working on and be able to use them any way I want. And I'm, I have to admit, you know, I, I'm, you know, obsessed with trying all these new word processors coming out for the iPad. So even though I'm using SimpleNote, I may block and copy a, an entire entry into one of these other word processors and type in that for a while just to see how I like it and then put it back in SimpleNote later as kind of the vehicle to get it back to SimpleNote. Uh, so it's really easy to do this and everything's portable. And I really like that. And I also like the fact that it's just a text file. I mean, if you look at a Word 95 document now, you know, and I understand you can open it on current version of Word, but let's pretend you couldn't. And you, you, you crack that file open and there is so much junk in there that it'd be almost impossible to read it. Uh, but I know in 20 years, this text file is going to be completely readable. And I like that future proofing as well. So, uh, I've, uh, I'm definitely on board with this Markdown and multi-Markdown stuff. If you do, if you write a lot, I recommend checking it out. If you work with the web a lot, I recommend checking it out. And if you want to work with the web but are intimidated by HTML, this is your answer. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm going to start using Markdown. It it seems to be the solution of a lot of my problems. I've I've started blogging more, and it it just I spend a ton of time on formatting. And I think I would do even more if I didn't spend a bunch of time with formatting. It's just so easy, you know. This is italic, a solution. It's two asterisks, you know. It's just well, and links and and images and yeah. Well, and that's why I feel like it's it's um, you don't even really lend itself much to text expander because it's it's so fast. I mean, it's it's as fast as typing a snippet, and you're done. Yeah. Well, have you had any problems? I'm I'm curious. Have you had any problems? My my only concern would be doing it by hand, doing it myself. I know it's done right. Have you ever had any problems or any wonkiness in the conversion? No, except for the spacing under the headings with Squarespace, which they fixed for me. So, And I guess except for the occasional human error, which could come into play anywhere. Yeah, sometimes like I'll forget to, um, to close an italic, you know, if I do a long one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, I mean, for instance, when you're doing legal citations. Right it's really fast to, you know, put in the code, you know, because every state does it a little differently and whatever. I mean, I find it really fast to do that. And then at the end, it all goes to RTF and then I hand it to my secretary and she does the final, you know, putting on pleadings and stuff like that. But it, it, it's just to me really simple. And then I keep all these snippets of text, you know, with this massive simple note database that I have. And it's really easy. And they're all already marked down formatted. So no matter what word processor I end up in in 10 years from now, I'll still be able to do this stuff. Well, now that we've got the basics of it, um, we have a special treat David's worked out for us. 
yeah, I, I wrote Fletcher Penny and told him what we were up to and asked him if he wanted to join us. And uh, he said yes, amazingly. So uh, we've got Fletcher Penny here to talk about his baby, Multi-Markdown. Well, we have a special guest with us here today, Fletcher Penny, who's the author of Multi-Markdown. Welcome, Fletcher. Thank you. You know, it, it's really a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, as we've been talking about Multi-Markdown, it's, it's neat to be able to talk to the people behind these great uh, tools that we use every day. But, you know, I guess the first question I'd ask you is, is why did you build Multi-Markdown? Uh, it, it came about, um, I had started off using uh, the regular Markdown by, by John Gruber for several websites that I had worked on. And um, it was just a very intuitive and easy-to-use language. And um, around that same time, I started looking into doing some, some academic writing and was experimenting with uh, LaTeX. And kind of occurred to me that it would be easier to use something like Markdown that then could be converted into another document format. Um, so I started, when I was following uh, some of the mailing list related to Markdown and, and started looking at other features that some people were mentioning, including tables and footnotes and and things like that, it, it just sort of made sense to try to combine all that into to a, a, a variant of Markdown that would incorporate some of those uh, syntax needs that were useful for longer works. Yeah. It, it seemed to me like when I, when I discovered multi-markdown, it's, it was like kind of the next step. It's for, it's like markdown for writers, whereas markdown is great for web work. Multi-markdown um, I find very useful for a lot of the, the daily stuff I do. How long did it take you to put it together? It, um, I went through a couple of different versions. The, the first version, I tried to hand code. Um, I started off with LaTeX, and I tried to hand code that into a modified version of the Perl script, and that did not work very well. Um, that probably took me, I'm, I'm guessing, a few weeks of kind of here and there time that I could find. Um, a couple months later, I stumbled across uh, XSLT, and it occurred to me that that would be a better way to do it. And that went much smoother. Um, I guess the first versions of Multi-Markdown were released back in, I guess, the summer of 2005. And I think by December, it, it had hit its basic form that it's in now. Um, since then, it's mostly been adding a few new features and, and fixing as many bugs as, as I can. Well, well, I've been following your blog, and it's pretty neat to see that you, you are continuing to add features to it. One of the normal types of show that we do is we do something called a workflow show, which is um, basically what type of work do you do with your Mac? So without going into a, a whole lot of detail, let me just kind of ask you, uh, related to Markdown, now that you've created this language, how do you use it in your everyday life? Um, because obviously you created this tool because you had a need. So can you think of... Um, in your life, now that this tool exists, what are some use cases and how do you, how do you use it to make your life easier? So I use it for a few different things. One, um, I, I basically rebuilt the, the way that I structure my website to now be centered primarily around multi-markdown. Um, initially it had been, I used Blossom and then moved on to Odd Muse and then moved on to Movable Type. And in each iteration, I had to figure out how to incorporate multi-markdown into the CMS until finally I realized that why not just build a CMS around multi-markdown. And um, so that's what I use now. 
And so all my website is all built primarily with multi-markdown and then a few other odds and ends thrown in. Um, and then with, with the ability to integrate with LaTeX, um, I can, for example, whenever I'm, if I'm doing any documents related to work that I want to put on, you know, a, a formal letterhead, uh, I have that all set up with multi-markdown so I can type a quick plain text document, process it into a PDF that's got, um, letterhead and everything else in it. And also with, with the typographical advantages that LaTeX offers so that all those documents look much more, uh, professional. And then finally, when I give, uh, any presentations, uh, related to my day job at the hospital, I give, uh, I use multi-markdown to create the, the slide deck with, as a PDF file rather than using uh, PowerPoint or, uh, keynote you know are you impressed with all these text editors that seem to be showing up on the mac and the ipad and the windows the one the one that i use the most and that that uh has really worked well with, for me has been TextMate. um i'd experimented with a few different ones you know over time and once once i found TextMate, i've i've stuck with that um Fun. i've experimented with Scrivener. I've experimented with using Omni Outliner to do longer, more structured documents, and, and I have ways of integrating all of those with Multi Markdown. Fletcher, um, what do you th- did you author the um, TextMate bundle, the Multi Markdown TextMate bundle? So there was there's an original version that uh, came with TextMate that I did not write. Um, what I did do though is I once it was released on uh, GitHub. I forked that to my own version um, because, unfortunately, the the multi-markdown related commands with the original bundle, even I couldn't get them to work. Um, so I just I edited that bundle to improve the support and integration with multi-markdown, and that's the one that's linked to from my website. Well, I I am really impressed with the portability of complex text using multi-markdown. So on the iPad, I have my favorite text editor of choice and I can sync that over to the Mac but I'm also really impressed with the way the multi-markdown integrates with Scrivener um, are you surprised by the success of this I mean it seems like this thing is, is really starting to take off it, it, it has um, even doing simple things like just you know I, I pay attention to mentions of multi-markdown on uh, Twitter or you know various websites and um, it, it definitely has been seems to be growing exponentially. Um, like you said, I, I created it because it was something that I needed and I wanted to share with other people. And I think, I think a big key to some of the success has been uh, related to Scrivener. Um, it was kind of coincidental. I was looking at creating my own text editor. Uh, and as I was looking to see what else was out there, I stumbled across Scrivener and, and looked at it and realized that I liked the way that it was set up, um, but that it didn't have the built-in support for multi-markdown that, that I would need, but just a few quick changes would probably allow it to be integrated. And so I emailed uh, Keith Blount to, to discuss that with him, and, and surprisingly, when his email back to me was to tell me that he was actually thinking about doing the same thing because a few of his users had requested it. So I started collaborating with him uh, to... Uh, to help him help with the the multi markdown aspect of of Scrivener, and 
that may or may not be the, the cause of, of some of the increased attention being paid to multi-markdown, but I certainly think it played a big role. Well, I, my, I guess my feeling about the whole thing is we, we're finally getting out of this death grip of you know Microsoft Word as a word processor, and people are starting to really explore. And multi-markdown gives you that tool to take your text from different word processors and text editors and easily use it in different places. And I, I just think it's great. And uh, I'm so happy that you took the time to do it because it really has made my life a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what are your future plans with, uh, with multi-markdown? The the main things are, are obviously to continue to look for you know, any bug fixes that I can find or that other people can point out to me. Uh, I think most of the big ones have have been have been fixed so far, but I'm sure there are more. The um, I don't plan on adding a whole lot of new syntax features. Um, one of the things that really appealed to me about the original Markdown was its simplicity. And um, what seemed to be a very intentional avoidance of feature bloat. Um, there were a few things that that seemed to be missing for a lot of people, such as tables and footnotes. And and my goal was to go ahead and add some of those things. Uh, initially, I hoped that they would be added to the to the original markdown and, and sort of making multi markdown obsolete. Um, obviously that was now four or five years ago and, and there haven't been any new syntax changes to Markdown and there've obviously been a few other different variants, many of which included tables and other features. Um, but I, th- I think that, uh, John Groover would probably disagree with, with many of the features I've added and, and as much as said so, but I think a lot of people found them, found them useful and, and they were need- needed for me, but I do try to keep it to a minimum. I think the things that I'm looking for would be more related to what I'd like to have is a little bit more of, of an easy way for sharing the different um, XSLT files that, that various people have come up with. Um, because I think a lot of people using multi, multi-markdown are not familiar with that, that language, and it is tricky to learn. Um, but having one place that you can download those files easily and having people share them, and, and now that multi-markdown is becoming more popular, it might be a, a good time to go forward with that. Um, the other thing is, you know, I, ever since the iPhone uh, came out and they, they announced the ability to start writing apps for it, you know, I've kind of been thinking about what would be the ideal way to integrate multi-markdown with, with an iOS device. Um, you know, ideally, you would be able to type a text document, hit a button, and have it uh, generate you know, a fully formatted PDF that I think would be better in appearance than anything that you can get right now. Um, but from a processing standpoint, I think that would be tricky. So it might require something like offloading that work to a, a cloud service. Um, I think w- the other thing that's that's come up a little bit and that I think could be improved on is uh, a lot of people have expressed interest in, u- interest in using uh, multi-markdown to create eBooks. Um, and now with the iBooks app, um, it, it can be done using multi-markdown already. It's just, it doesn't quite give great results yet. And I think that's something that can be improved upon. But uh, those, are, those are sort of the main, the main things that I've thought of in the, past, in the recent past of you know, where I'd like to go moving forward. How has the iPad and the iPhone changed how you view things with multi-markdown? How has it changed your workflows and 
uh, how you use it, both in in terms of how it's implemented on apps and how you keep everything synced up. The, um, I mean, I, th- I think the great thing is that um, not that I, when I created Multi Markdown, had any idea that uh, Apple's going to come out with an iPhone or anything like that. But but my goal at the time was that plain text is a better, to me, a better format for content than things like Microsoft Word or Pages. Um, and being able to keep your documents as plain text made it very easy to shift over to the iPhone and the iPad. Um, the way that I handle it is I use uh, Simple Note as, as my primary sort of text application on both the iPhone and the iPad. Uh, and then I use Notational Velocity on, on the Mac to, to keep all that in sync. And then all my files from Notational Velocity are actually stored in my Dropbox folder. So I can access them through any of the Dropbox applications as well. So that includes uh, plain text or IA Writer. Um, and so I can kind of pick and choose which application is going to be better at the time. It's pretty amazing the way everything talks together, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think that's where, I think there's going to be more and more integration like that in something like uh, Dropbox that's so easy to use and um, really makes the, the synchronization, uh, it kind of solves that problem for you. So I think all the individual you know, programmers who are creating these various apps for iPhone and iPad don't have to go reinvent the wheel. And I've written a few different um, backup and synchronization type programs in the past, and it, it definitely was a tricky problem to solve. And you know, I tried looking around to see as much, you know, to learn as much as I could from from other people. And, and you know, now I, I wish that I had had something like Dropbox back then. Well, I can't tell you. I'm just I'm just so impressed, Fletcher, that you were able to put this together in your free time. I don't think a lot of people know that you're a physician by your day job. <laughs> And um, I'm quite impressed. And if you ever make your way up to Macworld or in Southern California, I certainly owe you a beer because <laughs> Multi-Markdown has saved my bacon quite a bit over the past few years. So um, I wanted to thank you for coming in and uh, sharing this with us. And uh, so anyone who's listening wants to check out more with Multi-Markdown, they should probably check out your site. I believe it's FletcherPenny.net. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, so go check it out. I highly recommend it. It's on my RSS feed. So every time Fletcher comes out with some new tidbit about multi-markdown, I'm on the cutting edge, and I appreciate everything you do. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show. Thanks, Fletcher. You're welcome. Okay, well, that's it for Markdown and Multi-Markdown. Please uh, send comments in. Let us know what you think. If you're new to it, and if you're a pro, let us know how you're using it, because I'm always looking for good ideas. So, Katie, we've got a new sponsor. We do have a new sponsor, and quite appropriately, our new sponsor is the Omni Group. I'm very excited about having them on board. I've been a big fan of their software uh, since I started using a Mac, and I think they make great stuff. And this uh, show, we're going to talk about my favorite Omni application, OmniFocus. And you are such an OmniFocus devotee that you've not only encouraged thousands of other people, I'm sure, to use OmniFocus, but you've also got me to switch from the other task management solution to OmniFocus. And I must say, I could not be happier. Hey, you know, I, uh, I didn't actively try and push you into OmniFocus, but I'm really glad that you found it and you have seen the light. And I'm, I'm very happy. Um, and basically, OmniFocus is one stop for me to get all of this stuff 
out of my head and into a trusted system. And you can be a little more laxed about how you use OmniFocus, perhaps like I am, and just get the stuff out and get it organized and get it synced up with the iPhone and the iPad. Or you can go full board like David is and have probably 23 different categories and in in different contexts and you can it can be as as detailed or as kind of free-flowing as you want to be yeah i mean the key with a good task system is for it to be as complex as you need it to be and not a single bit more complex than that and omnifocus is perfect because it's scalable you can have simple lists in it or if like me you've got i mean i've got a profession i've got clients i'm responsible for i've got the mac sparky stuff i've got mac power users and i'm also a dad and a family man so I've got all these different obligations in my life. And OmniFocus lets me intelligently organize those things. It lets me, like you said, get all that information out of your head and into the system. It lets me organize you know, what I'm going to do and when. It helps me accomplish the tasks because it's got wireless syncing between the iPad and the iPhone and the Mac app. So anywhere I'm at, I can always have that list available to me. And perhaps most importantly, it's got a review process that lets me go back every week or two and just review what tasks and projects I've got pending to make sure nothing crashes to the ground. And um, as an attorney, I can tell you, I've seen a lot of lawyers get in a lot of trouble because they don't have a review system in their life. And OmniFocus for me is worth it just at that level. But uh, it's a great application. Uh, you can get a license for it for $79.95 at um, theomnigroup.com. They also have an iPad app for $40 and an iPhone app for $20. But uh if you want to get a family pack, you can get a discount. It's $120 for a family pack. Or if you're a student or um, faculty, you can get a student discount. So check it out. And thank you to the Omni Group for being the newest sponsor of Mac Power Users. Yeah, and we also have a direct link to the Omni Group in our show notes. So please go through them. Uh, we want to thank them for our, their support of the show, and we'd like the, the listeners to click in through that link if possible. And if you have bought from the Omni Group as a result of the show, be sure you let them know. Thank you. Okay, so let's do some follow-up. We, uh, we don't have a lot this time. That's um, because we did such a good job on the last show. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, John Chandler, one of my friends at creativityist.com, that's C-R-E-A-T-I-V-I-T-Y-I-S-T.com, uh, he's a great writer, and I, I recommend putting him on your RSS feed if you haven't already. But John uh, wrote in about the iPad, and he was talking about traveling as well. Uh, he, did, he said, I didn't mention plain text as a writing option, and uh, he's right. I hadn't got to that yet. Uh, I have played with it since then, and I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, there's, there's a couple really good ones. Uh, I talked about Elements a little bit in the last show, and I just wanted to know Elements now supports Markdown. So, you know, kind of going back to the show. There's a lot of good word processors on the iPad, and it's really interesting to see how uh, independent developers are rethinking word processor. I did have a couple of people write in and talk about, um, I was talking about the GoGo solution for in-flight Wi-Fi on the iPad and was kind of lamenting about the fact that it was a little bit less expensive to use it on a mobile device like a phone or the iPhone but that unfortunately it was seeing the iPad as a full-blown computer and not a mobile device, so it was going to cost me like three bucks more to use it on my iPad than it would on my phone. And a couple of people, including Matt, wrote in and said, I think I have a better solution for your issue with mobile browsers. He said, you can hack this with Safari on a MacBook by changing the user agent, but there is a web browser called Atomic Web that works well on both the iPhone and the iPad, and you can assign different browser identities that allows you to drill down to the same menu. 
this is also a good tabbed browser and is well worth the 99 cents. So I have not tried that. Um, but Matt says it's, it's worth taking a look at. And of course, uh, use your own ethics as to whether you should or should not try to hack the browser to get cheaper in-flight Wi-Fi. You know, I use Atomic Browser in my day job. I use Westlaw for legal research. And up until very recently, I don't know, they did something to fix it, but Safari would not render Westlaw worth a darn. And uh, Atomic Browser did a much better job of it, but now it's doing better in Safari. But that's a good, that's a good app. You need to check it out for your iPad, an alternative browser. Uh, I also got an email in asking me, you know, you know, why was I giving Kindle app so much grief over iBooks? And I, you know, went back and looked at the Kindle app and it's got a lot better since I, the first time I used it, it looks like they've improved it. They've added dictionary. Now when you turn on the side, you get two pages. So I redact my, uh, my angst over the Kindle app. I think it's just as good as iBooks and in some ways better because they've got more books available. But, uh, so give that one a try if you haven't yet. Yeah, and there's also some benefits to Kindle, and that the Kindle is now really everywhere. Um, you can read the Kindle on multiple apps, on you know multiple platforms, both computers, iPads, iPhones, Android devices. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. It seems like Apple's been kind of slow filling the iBook store. They have been slow, and and th- there's been some interesting commentary, which you know we're kind of getting out of our topic area, but. You know, did Apple really just throw this up to say, hey, we've got it too, or is this something that they really want to pursue? Well, um, I hope that on January 17th, if it all goes according to plan, they'll have a, a fantastic book there called Mac at Work. I, I mean, hope I, so. I yeah. hope as, as well. But I'm I'm hoping it will also be available on Amazon. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, finally, I just wanted to, as a personal note, um, I had a, a death in my family and I... I wasn't going to say anything about it. And then I finally decided to put a post of a Mac Sparky and I've got so many kind emails and comments from people uh, who are Mac power users, listeners, uh, giving me some nice, um, nice warm thoughts. And I just wanted to thank everyone. It really, I just can't say how much it means to me having support from, from friends and some of you I've never met, but I still feel like you're all my friends and, and thank you. So moving on, how do you contact us? Well, you can check out our website. That's at www.macpowerusers.com. You can find links to everything we talked about in the show notes, including the syntax for markdown and multi-markdown and links to all of those converters and the applications that we discussed. So everything is there. Go there. Also, you could send us an email at feedback at macpowerusers.com. You can also leave us a voice message on our Google Voice number. That number is 706 706- Four five seven six nine three seven or seven zero six four five power. You can find us on Twitter. We're uh, at Mac Power Users, and uh, Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. And we love iTunes comments. So if you get a free moment, hop on over to iTunes and say something nice. There you go. And finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors. They make it possible for us to bring this show to you. Uh, first is Smile. Uh, makers of disc label for which we have a contest and a discount now. Yeah, send us your great disc label labels and you may win something. Secondly is uh, one password, uh, the the best password solution on just about any platform at this point. And our newest sponsor, the Omni Group, makers of OmniFocus and other fine software. Okay, Katie, what's next? Next, we are going to talk all about iTunes. That's a broad yeah, topic. Yeah, we've got a lot of email, people asking us, you know, how do you share libraries and, you know, how do you do smart playlists? So we thought we'd 
Go Deep on iTunes. And I'm looking forward to that one. And it could and be a that, marathon. And that one will be out at the end of November. So uh, between now and then, I hope everyone has a happy turkey day. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for listening.